gospel reading is from John the 13th chapter verses 31 through 35. At the Last Supper, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so I now say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Here ends the Gospel reading. Anyone who used a typewriter before switching to a personal computer may remember that the sound and feel of the computer keyboard at first seemed strange. Pushing a computer key gives neither the satisfying clack nor the same physical sensation of tapping a typewriter key. Still, even on a computer, there's a slight sound and you can feel the keys move beneath your fingers. But what about on your smartphone? It's keyboard is essentially a small smooth sheet of glass. By themselves, the keys there, if you can even call them keys, give your fingers no tactile or auditory response at all. Phone designers know this and realize that most users want some sensation when they touch a screen button, something to tell them that they actually did something. So the designers added audio feedback and what is called haptic feedback. If you tap a button, your phone may vibrate slightly, assuring you that you have, in fact, activated whatever that button does. That tiny vibration is haptics at work. Without it, you just have to trust that when you touched the screen where a specific icon was displayed, you initiated some action. When you type on the glass keyboard, you hear clicks allowing you to have the sensation of typing from that audio feedback. With haptics and audio feedback in mind, think about our text, where in his farewell discourse, Jesus told his disciples, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The phrase, everyone will know, suggests that the love for which Jesus is calling is a kind of haptic or an audio cue, something substantial that lets not only the recipients of a loving action, but also those who witness it know that they are in the presence of a follower of Christ. In addition, this love is also to be a kind of haptic feedback for the disciples themselves after Jesus is no longer physically present with them. Previously, when Jesus talked about love, he was talking about a love-your-neighbor kind of love. This love extended outward from the circle of believers to whoever was in need. Here, however, Jesus is commanding the disciples to love one another. In other words, he's telling them that 
when they act in loving ways toward each other in the faith community, they will reflect his love for them. And remember that earlier in the evening, before Jesus launched this discourse, he washed the disciples' feet to illustrate graphically for them that loving someone means that they should serve one another. In effect, Jesus was creating a group, later to be known as the church, whose primary identifying characteristic is that they love each other and expressing that in service to one another. Beyond that, the group can be widely diverse in ethnicity, gender, language, nationality, age, political persuasion, and most of other things that we use to label or identify people today. But the disciples' love for one another is the essentially identifying mark. Love is the mark. Love is the haptic and audio cues to others. So how does this play out with us who are disciples today? Is the presence of Jesus recognizable in the ways in which we love one another within the faith community? Unfortunately, there are plenty of tales of church life that illustrate the opposite. Starting with silly accounts about church members who behave badly when visitors sit in their pew. A typical story one pastor tells of an aging adult Sunday school class with a shrinking membership that was asked to move to a smaller room. A growing young adult class needed the larger space more urgently. The aging group refused. It was their room. There are also anecdotes about newcomers not returning to a congregation because they didn't feel welcome. Narratives about women's groups who put locks on the kitchen cabinets so other groups would not use the kitchen and mess it up. And we've not even said anything about church fights, domineering and toxic members, malicious gossip, and the branding of some fellow members as not real Christians because of doctrinal or social action differences. There's no mark of love in all of this, no haptic at work here, but there is another kind of haptic at work here. Ever tap in your passcode for your smartphone or iPad and tap in the wrong passcode? Incorrect password appears on the screen. Try again. Well, that's what it feels like when the church behaves as I've described. There should be some sort of haptic buzz, jiggle, or vibration that alerts us to how wrong, on so many levels, behavior like this is. This is the Church of Christ, right? But let's not discount the good work the Church is already doing. Let's remember that congregations often manage to put up with workaround are calm, disruptive members, things that most businesses wouldn't ever tolerate. This shows that we've learned something about loving one another, even loving some of our fellow worshipers who are harder to love than others. Let's not also forget that many children got their first real understanding that they might have something to offer to the world when we prayed them for some role that they had in the Christmas pageant, or a solo they sang in a service. 
some teenagers heard their calling to be disciples of Jesus through the example of a youth leader during a mission trip, while attending church camp on a congregational scholarship, or because of the acceptance they found at church when some things weren't going so well at home. Some people agree to participate in mission projects or in some effort for the good of the whole community because a fellow member of the church asked them to, something they may be more reluctant to do if the request came from, say, a member of their bowling league. The funeral dinners, visits to the shut-ins from lay people, emergency but quiet gifts of financial support to members with sudden need, prayers for one another during times of illness or grief or concern, strong friendships between some members who wouldn't even have met if they hadn't come to church. All this and more is what we call haptic love. Some followers of Christ help people by babysitting when the regular babysitter doesn't show up, or they fill in for a caregiver so he or she can have some downtime. In one case, a dying Christian needed regular injections to combat his pain. He was at home, but his wife had to work. So a nurse from their church trained a handful of other members to give the injections so that someone was always there when the dying man needed a shot. There are a lot of things that congregations, even struggling congregations, get right. Often, followers of Christ really do express their love for one another through service and support. Jesus said it was a new commandment, indicating that it's not optional for Christians. But he could have also called it a haptic, the kind of feedback that tells us we've actually done something to show the presence of Christ and are involved in discipleship. In practice, of course, while we may be able to serve each other without hesitation, we aren't likely to be able to have the same level of fellowship with everyone. Although all might be within the bonds of love, some are nearer to us individually than others. Some of these who are not so near us might be nearer to others. However, making various groupings in the church that overlap. There's room, of course, to talk about how our loving acts toward people outside of our church walls are a haptic to them as well. Thus, our loving one another is something that tells those outside the church that God's love for them, as expressed through us, is real. But that has been and is, for the future, another sermon. For this one, it's enough to remind ourselves that Jesus commanded us to love one another. Let's be glad for the ways we already do that and for the happy results that follow. And let's strive to lessen the places where we fail to be as loving to one another as we ought and figure out how we can do better, knowing that we always have God's love and forgiveness even when we do fail to get it right. Amen. Let's be the tribe that binds our hearts in Christian love.
Thank <laughs> you. 